the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to the uh, Ride Home edition of the, uh, <laughs> the Thursday Ride edition. Ride Home edition. Wait, it's the Wednesday edition of the Ride Home. It, I'm telling you, it's uh-huh. the heat and I'm stuck in this room. Yeah. It feels like Groundhog Day again and again and again. Does it not? Welcome, yeah, Kathy. It, I, I, thank you, John. It is Wednesday. I'm happy to tell you that. Uh, I'm also happy to tell you that I'm I am in my spare room mm-hmm. at my uh, undisclosed location in the North Hills of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, it is 96 degrees, according to internal thermometer. Internal thermometers? What do you mm-hmm. mean? Inside like your room house? Thermometer. Room thermometer. Really, 96 degrees. Right. That's a hot one. But I and I want to assure everyone listening that I'm just fine. I mean, I'm hot, but I'm fine. And the reason that I am feeling as optimistic as I am is because of this. Hmm. Now I'm holding this up for everyone watching on Facebook. If you've never watched our show on Facebook, well, isn't this the perfect time to do it? Because you want to see what I'm holding up. Who doesn't want to see a washcloth? So so we're Facebook Live 101.5 Word FM or the Ride Home with John and Kathy. I'm holding up a bamboo baby washcloth. Hold on. What the heck is a bamboo baby washcloth? Well, it's a baby washcloth, which means it's smaller than your average washcloth, mm-hmm. but it's made of bamboo, a renewable material. <laughs> La-dee-da-dee. <laughs> La-dee-da. Isn't now, that nice? Well, the reason I tell you that it's made of bamboo is that yep. it's a little woofy. It has a and little bit of a... Describe like, woofy. Woofy, it's a little fuzzy. Hmm. You know what I mean? It has a little more bulk than maybe your average cotton washcloth would have. I see. And so you and, bought this Why? Well, I bought this because originally when you couldn't get Clorox wipes at the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis, I made my own wipes with these washcloths and Lysol. I see. And that's sure, what sure. I would take to work. And that's how I right. clean up my desk and our studio and all that sort of thing. Right. Well, anyway, now that I'm working from home, I'm not doing that. So I have these washcloths handy. And just today, John, my boss and your boss, mm-hmm. the erstwhile Brad Marshall and I were speaking on the phone. Mm-hmm. He, feeling sad that neither of us had air conditioning and decided to recommend to me... <laughs> A tactic that his wife uses when she gardens, which is taking a chamois, covering it with cold water, and putting it on her neck. Now, listen, (laughs) I don't have a chamois, but I do have the bamboo child's washcloth. Yeah. I find it delightful. Refreshing, some would say. Cooling. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Uh So I placed it. For those of you who are not watching, I want you to know um, that I have placed it on Mm -hmm. my neck, and it is uh, evaporating and including me and its cooling process, even as we speak. Nice. So go add another layer. It's the wet rag stay at home edition <laughs> of the ride. Now, home what do you John think as a fashion statement, you guys, like, how do you rate me on a like, scale of one to 10? Do you feel like it's doable? It's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's good. I mean, you're not going to be on the red carpet or anything no. unless you had a babushka on, but right. I mean, it's fine. Thank you. It's a, it's a, it's a brand new washcloth. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's, you know, I've had it for 10 years and I've decided to toss it on for today's right. show. And is it doing the trick? 
It is cool. It, it. I mean, I'm laughing about it, but I'm serious when I say it works. Really? Okay. All right. Congratulations to you. And thank you to management for stepping up and taking care of us, right? Yeah, very nice. <laughs> okay. So everything is uh, skewed now, right? Of course. And there's no end in sight. I mean, literally for a while there, I was optimistic. Weren't you? I was thinking, oh, we'll be back in June. Yep. And then I thought, well, maybe July. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I think, well, I don't know. I mean, like, everything's like canceled see, here. See you guys in September. Right. Now, yearly, I would trot the family to downtown Pittsburgh and we would sludge through the Three Rivers Arts Festival. Mm. And now, sludge through, of course, because it would rain. Generally, it would rain or it would be 140 degrees and right. everybody wanted a, a slushy. And, of course, dad had the budget and there wasn't a slushy happening. Because it was $18. <laughs> right. Exactly. Or some lemonade water for $42. <laughs> right. Now, the good news, though, is because the um, the Arts Festival, uh, the sad news, I should say, because the Arts Festival has been canceled, uh, no slushies are available. But the Arts Festival is online. And there you go, right there. Let me see. Can I, is it, there we go. Oh, yeah. I like there it. The, the festival is virtual. Yes. That's what it and, says. I mean, to think about all the artists, all the vendors who made, probably for a lot of people, their yearly nut in the income that was derived from their sure. artisan crafts, their goods, the food vendors, the musicians, all that. So, um the trust, the cultural trust here in the city of Pittsburgh has put the arts festival fully online. And the hope is there's an article in today's PG by Maggie Sousa that the artists hope that you will look and buy at the visual art at the arts festival this year, right? Mm-hmm. To go there. And I've bought, have you ever bought anything at the arts festival, Kath? Any no, art? never. Oh, I have. No, I, I got to be honest with you though. I think I might like the virtual arts festival better than the actual one. Really? I, I like mean, it's not festival. that I haven't, en- it's not that I haven't enjoyed it, but it has seriously rained every dang time that I've gone to that thing over right. like a hundred years. Now I the just, irony is, of course, there's been no rain in the forecast for the right. last week. Or, I yeah, mean, it really hasn't figures. rained that much. Anyway, I think I would actually enjoy, I mean, you know how much I love art. I think mm. I would really enjoy the online version. Didn't you buy your wife's wedding ring or her engagement ring there? Her wedding ring. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's like a pretty serious, momentous decision that you made yeah. at the arts the, festival. The, uh, the the jeweler was Wrist and Hall, and they were somewhere out in California. And we, we had just gotten engaged. I mean, this was decades ago. We're walking around the arts festival. We had no intention of buying the ring there. We go in front of this jeweler, and my wife's like, oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, I'd like to have that for my wedding ring. What am I going to say? No? No, you well, can't no, wait, do that? Please, please tell me you had already decided to get married. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, of course we did. Listen, don't assume anything. No, no. We had already decided, uh, had been shopping, you know, getting, but there it was. So it was a lovely piece, but then she lost it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That's how it is. That's a happy happy story with a sad ending. Right. She has no idea where it is. Okay. Such is life. All right. Great. So will you go online to the virtual arts festival? Thing? I definitely will because it's okay. a beautiful website. It is a TRAF, uh, TRAF dot trustarts.org. Okay. okay. I'll do that. TRAF trustarts.org. Yeah. I want to support local artists. 
Okay, yeah. terrific. Very nice. I look forward to that. I also look forward to the rest of today's show, John. You want me to give oh, you some highlights? It's a big show, is it, it not? Really, it really is. At 535, we're going to talk about defunding the police with someone that knows the police pretty well, as he was a police officer for a long, long time. Our good friend, Jay Werner Wallace, Dateline featured cold case detective, will join us at 535 to talk about whether defunding the police is even something that is feasible. Or this is something that maybe we're just tossing out because we're trying to see, you know, if we can toss anything that'll stick to the wall and actually move us forward in our conversation on race. So we'll talk to uh, Jay Warner Wallace at 535. Also at uh, 425, we're going to talk about the dust up going on at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're not aware of that, um, well, it's such a complicated story. I don't think I want to go into it. But suffice to say that the Washington Post did a story on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and its conflict with some of its own writers on the issue of race protest coverage. So that's at 435. And coming up next, John, it's Pastor Brian James Edmonds from Macedonia Church of Pittsburgh. Very nice. We'll take a quick break, come back and uh, reset. Of course, as Kath said, we are streaming live on Facebook, The Ride Home with John and Kathy on Facebook, or 101.5, we're on Facebook. And uh, be back in just a few minutes. We're going to talk to a, a local pastor here. Be right back. 101.5 WORD. Maybe it's when you surf the internet, when you want to get out of a commitment you made, or when you receive a tax refund that you know is way too large. When you're tempted to compromise, where can you turn for strength to respond the right way? Find out as John MacArthur continues his study titled The Integrity Factor here on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company and all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsoruspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, a partner you can trust in times of need, featuring 24-hour emergency service. From plumbing, heating, cooling, and trenchless sewer repairs, Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling has been a trusted name for over 35 years when it comes to helping you solve household problems and concerns. Visit greaterpghplumbing.com or call 412-223-2560. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling at greaterpghplumbing.com. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Contact Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Moms sure do wear a lot of hats. And these days, she's wearing a few she hadn't expected, like homeschool teacher. 
mask maker, hand washing enforcer, social distance shopper, toilet paper finder, parent checker inner, screen time negotiator, personal space administrator, and make sure everyone's happier, safer, and healthier. And to help you appreciate her, Trinity Jewelers is now open. Like hats, the best gifts are unexpected at trinityjewelers.com. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. In our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. Discount deals just in time for birthdays, special occasions, or just because. And all from the comfort of your own computer or smartphone. Great deals and awesome savings. Log on now to wordfm.com, keyword shopping. Is your school a true partner in your child's education? They should be. Pittsburgh's Christian schools agree. If you're looking for a safe environment where kids can learn, challenge, and grow with highly qualified teachers who are not only caring but accessible, where academic excellence goes hand-in-hand with character development, consider Christian education. Right now, at this moment, local Christian schools, colleges, and universities are offering half-price tuitions for first-time enrollees while they last at wordfm.com slash tuitions. It's said that in a divided society, only the church can model unity. And certainly we are divided here in the United States of America, perhaps more so than we've been in many, many a year. Well, we've invited Pastor Brian James Edmonds, who's with us. Pastor Edmonds is the senior pastor of Macedonia Church here in the city of Pittsburgh. And Pastor, welcome to the show. We're happy that you're with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you all for having me. Sure. Pastor Brian, we've had a lot of conversation on the air uh, since the death of George Floyd. We've opened up the phones. We've had a ton of guests. And we've all started each time, each conversation, with one of us, John or I, asking the same question. So I'm going to ask you. What is your experience with racism? <laughs> wow, uh, that's a, a large question. Uh, I know, I know, I, I know, I know, and we're jumping right in. I'm not expecting you to give us a summation of your life, um, but maybe right, just a couple. Sure. What we're trying to do is hear each other. So whatever you feel like we need to hear, you can say. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, well, I can start just with my experience, you know, here in Pittsburgh. I, I recognize that I'm called to be here in Pittsburgh, came here in 2007 uh, to serve at this church uh, as an associate pastor and uh, really just enjoying my time here, doing an outreach and a gathering with young adults on my way back home from a young adult ministry event as a young adult pastor. Uh, and I was uh, pulled over uh, in, in, in the east end of the, of the city. And pulled over, it's probably maybe, you know, 10 o'clock at night after that event. And um, there was, you know, flashing lights, but it, it wasn't a police car. And so I was, you know, really concerned. I was about uh, two blocks from my house at that point. Um, and so pulled over and, uh, you know, I've, I've had conversations. I've had many combos with my parents about how as an African-American youth or a young man, you have to relate to police. Um, but these persons were, were not in police attire, uh, and they were coming up to my car, and I questioned, should I pull off? Uh, because I don't know who these guys are, but they had some, some badges dangling from their neck once they got close. Uh, once they got close to me, uh, you know, I said, okay, it's police. I you know, have no clue what's going on here, and uh, you know, was ordered out of the car, 
uh, and it, you know, I'm asking what's going on, what did I, what, what did I do wrong, what's happening here, and uh, eventually was just essentially told that I fit the description. Um, now, again, I'd been in Pittsburgh maybe for uh, three months as a young adult pastor, um, you know, like I said, a block and a half from my home uh, where I was living at that point. And essentially the argument was, well, the, the, the perpetrator who was walking on foot somewhere was, you know, an African-American male in, in a blue coat. I was in a red coat and I was driving. I wasn't walking, um, but I was pulled over by these plainclothes officers, ordered out of the car, uh, and, and really, you know, trying to figure out in that moment how I saved my own life. Uh, and so uh, when when I witness, you know, uh, things like George Floyd or uh, stories like Jordan Miles and Leon Ford in our city, I, I recognize that, like my grandmother would say, there but for the grace of God go I. Uh, and so that's just a part of my experience. Amen. Well, thanks for that. I really appreciate that, Pastor. So then... As that experience, and of course, you hear stories like this all the time, right? It's just what it is uh, in the 21st century, the 21st, 20th century to be a black man in America. How do you then right. take that and at the same time, knowing the gospel of Christ, talk to your church about what it is to be alive and what it is to be a child of God and what it is to be black in America. How do all those elements work together in your weekly conversations with your community? Indeed, indeed. Uh, well, a lot of my spiritual formation happened uh, in college where I was a part of uh, some movements toward racial reconciliation uh, at the University of Virginia, uh, where I sang in a gospel choir that was predominantly black, but I also was connected to a Christian fellowship that was predominantly white. Uh, and so there were some powerful conversations that began there that formed my understanding of what Jesus says in John 15, uh, uh, that he prays that we may be one. Uh, and so before we before we even get to, you know, the Revelation 7 picture, you know, we're hearing Jesus say, I want it to be on earth as it is in heaven. And so uh, that formed, you know, a, a huge part of my ministry. And so therefore, I use that as I speak about the gospel. But we got to make sure that we don't water down the gospel and thereby forget about the lives and the sin that God, so, God came uh, to really overcome. Uh, and he has overcome it. We just are still in the midst of uh, trying to walk into that power that he gave. Mm. Amen. Pastor Brian, talk to us about uh, what the last, you know, 10 days or so have been like in the life of your church. Um, how is your community doing? What's your congregation thinking? You know, kind of give us a window. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and I'll connect this question to the previous one. Uh, one of the messages that I preached recently uh, was a message entitled, uh, There's Another Pandemic. And so uh, in the life of our church, uh, my church is predominantly African-American. Uh, we do have uh, some uh, other backgrounds uh, in our congregation as well, uh, but predominantly African-American. And, and part of what uh, we must wrestle with in this season is that we're in the middle of multiple pandemics. Right. The, mm -hmm. There's the pandemic of, you know, COVID-19, but there's also the pandemic where racial injustice and inequity is being brought to the forefront again. And so it's been a moment of, of great pain, uh, been a moment of, of great fear about what really happens next in our lives. 
but it's also been a moment where we as the church recognize we're called to be the light, we're called to be hope. And so just this past Thursday, we did our first uh, Thirsty Thursday food distribution, uh, walk-up distribution in our community uh, that people could come up and get what they needed, uh, fans, food, resources, toilet paper. Uh, And so even in the midst of great loss, there is still great light that comes through the church. Mm. So, Pastor, I was talking to another friend of mine who's also a pastor who, who's a black man, and he was he was opining and saying, you know, whenever I'm, I'm asked about this, about the state of race relations in America, people always want me, people always want me to end and say, hey, Pastor, give us some hope. And he was like, you know what? Uh, there are many times I don't have hope, and I'm you know I'm not going to pull out you know the hope in the midst of all this. Um, mm-hmm. How do you talk about this? How do you? How do you find something positive in the midst of this? I mean, clearly, you know, as a lover of Jesus, you know, there is great hope and we are always optimistic because we'll be with our Lord one day in heaven. But at the same time, the, the road is rough here on earth, is it not? In, indeed, it is. And so as a believer in Jesus Christ, I do stand with you, John. We always have hope. We, we always have hope, uh, no matter what we face. Uh, but it doesn't immediately erase the reality of what we're going through or what we're facing, the, the sin of a broken world. Uh, and so, you know, part of, uh, part of what, we, what we have to wrestle with is even throughout the Psalms, you know, there are many Psalms of lament, but there's a while before David or whomever the Psalm writer is gets to that place of hope in his words. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, even in the book of Lamentations, which we talked about this past Sunday, that five chapters, Jeremiah, who's attributed to write that book, Jeremiah for five chapters pretty much uh, just talks about devastation. But there's really about an eight-verse section in all five chapters where Jeremiah says, but this I recall to my mind. Uh, but the mm-hmm. point is, is that before we get to that hope, there has to be true lament. And true lament only comes from awareness. And so if our society and culture is not really aware of the truth of racism and injustice and inequity and the way that it impacts folks, then we really can't get to lament and therefore can't get to hope. You know what I mean? And so I hear what the pastor is saying is, hey, I don't want to talk about hope because I haven't really seen any lament yet from those who don't occupy the black and brown bodies. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, by the way, we're talking to Pastor Brian James Edmonds, senior pastor at Macedonia Church of Pittsburgh. So, um, yeah. So what you're saying is that, uh, and I, I see this. You know, I recognize this in myself over the years that I, I, I so deeply want to embrace hope um, that I don't know what it l- looks like to lament. Um, something that seems so beyond my fixing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, but I lament all sorts of other things in my life that are also beyond my fixing that I seem to be able to, you know, get my head around. Wait, you're saying it's unfixable? Well, I'm saying it seems unfixable. It does. To me, in many ways, it seems unfixable. And so I'm not sure how to lament it. But I I guess I just want to say, I hear what you're saying, that if we don't do the lament thing, then we're not going to get to the hope thing. For sure. And and we recognize that with many of our own family members, we can point to probably people who've had cancer and um, who have passed away from cancer. And we've, we've tried to hold on to hope. 
but yet and still we have shed tears because we we really are aware of the reality of their chemo. We're we're aware of the reality right. of their radiation. We're we're aware of their hair loss. You know what I mean? And so sure. it brings us to a place even when yeah. we're not around them yeah. sometimes of of tears and lament, uh, but we still pray for them. You know what I mean? And we still hope. Yeah. And right, right. And I wrestle, I wrestle with if, if many, you know, in the majority culture have yeah. been able to get to that place of, of lament sometimes, because again, back to that awareness piece, you know, if it's not, I mean, this is difficult, but for somebody to sit, you know, and, and watch some of these, you know, videos, not just George Floyd, but, you know, to watch something of, of Eric Garner or to just, you know, go through and read the stories that, that we hate to read, um, it does something to us that brings us to a, a place of, of brokenness that, that God really needs in us before he can really bring us to a place of full wholeness. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, so I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, Brian, just go back, but tell us what you think from your perspective as a black man, what it would look like for your white community here in Pittsburgh to lament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's good. I think, I mean, uh, you know, go, go ahead, John. Well, in the same vein, you know, I was thinking about that as well. So there are many people, a pastor, whenever they hear white privilege, they recoil and they'll go, wait a second. I'm just a white guy trying to get by like everybody else. My privilege, (laughs) you know, we've had, we've had pushback from listeners and people don't, people don't even want to engage in that conversation or even recognize the basic thread of racial inequality in this country. So that greater conversation in many ways seems out of our grasp, even at the most basic level. So how do you even start that conversation when people don't even want to go there? Right, right. So, uh, you know, one of the, the popular examples is, hey, let's let's play a game of Monopoly. Um, but the way we're going to play is, is that for for 400 rounds, um, you can't you can't buy anything. Uh, right, and, right. and in fact, for 400 rounds, everything you get, uh, benef- everything you do benefits me. And and then after those 400 rounds, we're going to play. 50 rounds where I, I allow you to, to get some things. I allow you to, to own some things. Uh, but uh, if you get too far ahead, I'm going to, to burn it down. I'm going to, I'm going to take it back from you. Um, and so that, that really kind of resembles what happened in places like Rosewood or Tulsa, where, where black communities had actually built up what was known as black yeah. wall street, or they built up, you know, wealth, after after you know three plus hundred rounds of of not being able to have anything and and then it's torn down and so that you know nobody wants to play monopoly where you know every property is already owned by the time you start playing right everybody's gonna say hey that's that's i'm not playing that game um but that's part of the game quote unquote that that we as african-americans in America have had to play. And even now, right, I'm, I went to the University of Virginia. I went to, you know, Duke University. And so I've, I've been able to, to go to some institutions where my grandparents weren't allowed in, you know what I mean? And so I've, I've been able to have that kind of a, of a blessing of some sort to be able to utilize, you know, those resources. But even in that, the 300 rounds that were played before that or 400 rounds that were played before that impact what I'm able to do even still coming out of those institutions. And so that's the part that's so difficult, I think, for many of us to grasp. Um, But unless we have 
real conversations like that consistently, we won't lament. I'm under that. All right. So let's close out with this, Brian. Let's go back to the to the question I asked about what you think lament would look like. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and I'm not I know that our lament uh, is God centered. Um, but mm-hmm. I also think that, you know, you, you brought up the cancer patient analogy, which I think is really valid. When you lament for someone else's suffering, it makes a difference to that person also. So it's sure. about God, mm-hmm. but it's also about each other. So what would um, the white community in Pittsburgh lamenting look like to you? What do you wish it would look right, like? Right, right. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and I need to think through it some, but I think, you know, the first part is that, of course, it has to come from that place of, of awareness. Uh a deep awareness that when when Jeremiah was writing, he was painfully aware of the destruction of Jerusalem and Judah, right? And so his lamentation was 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 rooted in that. And so uh, it has to come from awareness. But then, in terms of in terms of practically, it will it will demonstrate itself, I think, in in conversation to be able to say, I really want to hear more about your experience, and and I am now becoming painfully aware. So now I can even express that to someone in conversation that, you know, I've actually done some research. I've actually read some things. I've actually watched some, some, some footage and I'm sorry for the way that our world has treated African-Americans or the way that our culture. I think one other quick piece that I would add, Kathy, is that, uh, it also presents itself in in statements on this is on a real sim, uh, simple level, but really important in statements from companies, corporations, schools, and even posts on social media, right? And so, when as a black community we don't see, you know, the the schools that our children going to uh, making a statement about what's happening in our world, when we don't see, you know, certain companies or corporations say, you know. Black Lives Matter. That that actually makes sense. And I don't have to say it with some kind of caveat that all lives matter because I recognize we all know that all lives matter in the same way that when Jesus said, blessed are the poor, nobody got up and said, but, you know, Jesus, blessed are the rich, too. Right. You know, and so it's these caveats that are made that that uh, that act as if we don't understand the full picture that all lives matter. And so that's really then where I think, Kathy, that that lament is seen as real when their statements made it's it's part of your daily life and so while i'm posting about you know my kids and and their fun outside you know i'd love to see a post that says you know that has a picture of of colin kaepernick kneeling next to george floyd's neck being knelt on saying that hey what's the difference between these two that's good well, Pastor Edmonds, thank you. We certainly appreciate your forthright honesty and your wisdom in our conversation today. And uh, come back. Let's do this again. This was good. For sure. Thank you all so much for your time. Well, the pleasure is ours. Pastor Brian James Edmonds, he's the senior pastor at Macedonia Church of Pittsburgh. Macedonia Church of Pittsburgh. We need to step away for just a minute. Stick around. It's the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. Be back in just a few
If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800 555 If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. 5588. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, a partner you can trust in times of need, featuring 24-hour emergency service. From plumbing, heating, cooling, and trenchless sewer repairs, Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling has been a trusted name for over 35 years when it comes to helping you solve household problems and concerns. Visit greaterpghplumbing.com or call 412-223-2560. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling at greaterpghplumbing.com. This is John Samick owner of Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. All of our cleaning and disinfection services use hospital-grade, EPA-registered products. Contact us to provide peace of mind for your employees. The man, the yellow Master. This is John Samick, owner of Service Master Greater Pittsburgh. Our specialty cleaning services can provide the peace of mind your customers and employers need as your business reopens. Demand the yellow van. Call Service Master Greater Pittsburgh and schedule a consultation today. Thrift with a purpose at the grand reopening of City Mission Thrift Stores. Going on now. City Mission has been preparing stores with safety measures and disinfecting to protect shoppers and employees. Find lots of great items at the best deals while supporting City Mission programs for men, women, children, and veterans. All seven City Mission thrift stores have modified reopening hours Monday through Saturday, 9 to 6, with a special senior citizen shopping hour, 9 to 10 a.m. For the store near you, visit citymission.org shop. Coming down the home stretch is Liberty Mutual, followed by customizes your car insurance. But wait, from the back comes so you only pay for what you need. So it's Liberty Mutual, customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need. And I'm pretty sure this is just an elaborate insurance ad. Liberty, 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 Liberty. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com. The Word FM mobile app by heart, tune in, and at radio.com. Following a severe evening thunderstorm, cloudy and breezy, tonight's low 65. Breezy to start tomorrow, otherwise lower humidity with sunshine and patchy clouds, high Thursday 78. Thursday night, clear, low 55. Friday, sunny and nice with a high 80. Saturday, clouds and sun with a shower or thunderstorm with a high 74. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Kath, I lift a a glass to you. I lift my glass to you, John. Cheers to you. What's in your glass today? Uh, This is iced tea. Yes. It it looks a little paltry at this point because I've added so much ice to it as the day's gone on that it's become quite diluted. Mm Mm-hmm. 
but, but it, it is iced but tea. it remains. It is an iced tea blend from the Preston George Company, Penn Avenue in the Strip District. Very nice. Uh, what my, are you drinking? I'm also drinking iced tea. Mm-hmm. However, mine is a prepackaged iced tea, okay. which I absolutely love. And what is that? It's the uh, Arnold Palmer half and half iced tea oh, lemonade. Yeah, that's a delicious Wait, thing. There you go. Oh, look at there's Arnie. There's Arnie. Hi. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm sure it's filled with a lot of sugar. But boy, I sure yeah. do love it. <laughs> we bring it up because it's uh, National Iced Tea Day. Yeah. So happy Iced Tea Day to all of you. Um, if you uh, if you've never had iced tea, I'm not sure where you've been or um, never why you're so tea. sad. Don't you want to be happy? Right. If you never had air in your lungs, is basically the right. same sort of thing, right? Okay. Interesting. Today, I read that in um, recipes for iced tea go back as far as the 1870s, but it wasn't until 1904, John, the popularity soared because of a swelteringly hot World's Fair held in St. Louis. Iced tea was being served, and parched fairgoers were drinking every glass they could get their what hands the on. And since then, our culture has been in love with iced tea. That doesn't make any sense. 1904. I mean, tea's been around. Look at the Chinese I for know. thousands of years. Exactly. You never had iced tea in China? Well, they not, Well, they didn't have a lot of ice, if you think about it. <laughs> Right. Of course. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's part, be, that's part of the right. problem. But then there right. are, you know, I traveled to Europe last summer and how sad no was ice. I? I mean, they just, they don't, they don't see the need for ice. They think that we as Americans are silly for drinking it. They right. don't, they, they, the they find a way to mock us in their own language whenever possible I know. because I, of the ice. It's just, uh, it's a sad place to be for an extended period. It really, ice is one of the major elements of my life. I Me love too. ice so much. Oh my gosh. Listen. Yeah. This is like my favorite thing. When I was in, like I said, Europe for over two weeks, I thought, I thought I, I really love you people and I love it here. But what is, what is your thing? What is your prohibition against I ice? I don't get it. Anyway, Gosh. happy National Ice Tea Day. Mm-hmm. Should we take a break? And yes, we um, we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. There's been a brouhaha in the news about that. The Post-Gazette itself making its own news. Uh, we're going to talk in just a little bit with Selena Zito. She's a Pittsburgher and, uh, she's got the Yinzer thing down like we all as well do. So stick around for that conversation. Post Gazette under the microscope in a few minutes. I wasn't yelling at y'all. Don't be looking at me like that. The recent killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Amada Arbery have left us all reeling. Just trying to spread a message, okay? And the violent riots that followed threaten a nation trying to recover. I know you guys out here doing your job. But in Pittsburgh, I'm not mad at you. one protester decided on a better way. I had the one that's Let's do it to us. You understand? Came out here peaceful, and this is what I'm trying to show y'all. That's the sound of Alexander Cash giving a case of bottled water to officers at a peaceful protest in East Liberty. Proof that the softer you act, the louder you speak. Blessed are the peacemakers. Good job, guys. And positive. Way to go, Alexander. Stay positive, stay strong, and carry on. And know that at Word FM, we're listening. 101.5 WORD. This week from Chuck Swindoll. When you're looking for a hero to follow, choose Jesus. Take your cues from his life. Watch how he handled difficult people and impossible situations and then go there. 
Chuck Swindoll is teaching from the book of 1 John, weekdays on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, a partner you can trust in times of need, featuring 24-hour emergency service. From plumbing, heating, cooling, and trenchless sewer repairs, Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling has been a trusted name for over 35 years when it comes to helping you solve household problems and concerns. Visit greaterpghplumbing.com or call 412-223-2560. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling at greaterpghplumbing.com. Of course, newspapers are in the business of reporting the news. It's rare and often unwanted that a newspaper would be the news. But that's what happened here this week in the city of Pittsburgh, as the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette has been under fire. But uh, today, the executive editor of the Post-Gazette, Keith Burris, uh, he fired a volley back. And the headline in today's PG is Truth, Fairness, and the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Here to talk to us about that is one of our favorite guests. Selena Zito is with us. Uh, she is the author of The Great Revolt in, Inside the Populist Coalition, Reshaping American Politics. Selena is a writer for the Washington Examiner. She previously worked for the, worked for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, as well as other newspapers in and around uh, this corridor. Selena, welcome back to the show. How are you today? Oh, thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah. I'm great. How are you? Thanks. Yeah, thanks for being here, Selena. Always good to hear from you. Okay, so let's set the stage for our listeners who haven't followed along with this story. I uh, started maybe three or four days ago, an article in the Washington Post by Miriam Berger um, cited a tweet by the PG's Michael Santiago saying that the Post-Gazette, quote, has chosen to silence two of its most prominent black journalists during one of the most important civil rights stories that is happening across our country. And then Alexis Johnson, another black Pittsburgh Post-Gazette journalist, reported that the newspaper's management had barred her from covering local protests. As John said, Keith Burris took to the Post-Gazette today uh, in his own publication and said that, no, that was absolutely not the case. Uh, Give us your read on this, Selena. Um, Well, I think even not just in Western Pennsylvania, but in Pittsburgh, it's been a really interesting week for newspapers across the country, including the New York Times, um, where there is this this pushback among the young reporters um, about uh, about management and or editors or publishers taking um, um, either writing op-eds or posting or, you know, putting um, opposing views on their editorial page like they did at the New York Times. Um, but also this 
um, incident, which, you know, we had heard for most of the, for like the past week on Twitter, the, the side of the, um, of the union, the guild, um, and also the position of the different reporters at the Post-Gazette. And they were clearly infuriated uh, with the paper. And the paper had, for the most part, been pretty silent and not given um, a, a full-throated pushback. Uh, now, I don't have the entire verbiage in front of me because, uh, you know, my information is in my phone and I'm on my phone. <laughs> but he essentially said, look, this has been misconstrued. Um, the yeah. reason that the, these reporters uh, were pulled back or photographers, photojournalists, were pulled back from the coverage had nothing to do with the color of their skin. In fact, he argued that the, all the, the, the total number of all the reporters pulled back from the coverage was 80, with the majority of them being white. Uh, the reason that they were pulled back is because, in, in their view, uh, they, um, they expressed editorial comments in their tweets when they believed what they should be doing as journalists is tweeting the facts in front of them and not uh, giving a point of view or a little snarky comment or, you know, whatever that thing is that you tend to do on Twitter because it's sort of a flippant um, a social media so this is this a collision then, Selena, of what you're saying of of old style journalism, journalism that has been around for a couple of hundred years. Of course, you learned that, grew up with it, and that was your style, your narrative, as most journalists were, who followed a story. They did the reporting, and their opinion was not necessarily wanted or needed. It was just the facts of the story. But now, of course, with the rise of the internet, there are many you know internet journalists, social media journalists who don't follow those journalist standards because they're not employed by a newspaper, and in some ways that's affected the newsrooms of already established media uh, newspapers. Right. I think what we don't know, and if we do know this and I haven't caught up with it, I, I, I apologize, but I think what we don't know is what is the social media policy of the uh, newspaper. Well, and right. So what do they tell their reporters? You are allowed to do this. You aren't allowed to do that. Uh, in, in the newspapers that I work in, you, you have to, you have, there, there's a very specific social media, um, you know, rules and you have to sign and agree to them. Uh, and, and so, you know, we, we, I don't think we know that. If we do, I apologize. Um, and so if this, if, if this reporter or any reporter goes outside of those bounds, there are consequences for your actions. We again, we that's that sort of gray area we don't know yet. But I yeah. think that the problem with Twitter in particular is um, while while most Americans are not on Twitter, um, most journalists are, and sometimes what other journalists tweet is for other journalists to see. And so um, that's sort of the problem with the culture of Twitter, I think, for journalists, which is part of why I took myself off. I, I, I had the account for 12 years. I had 
uh, you know, one of those prestigious blue checks, 70,000 followers. And I walked away from it because it had become, it, 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 it wasn't making me better at my job and it wasn't mm-hmm. helping my, me at my job. And I want to be the best that I can be at my job. And I also found it really negative. Yeah, well, it's horribly it is. negative. Yeah. Selena Zita is with us. Um, I would tell you Selena's bio, except it just blew off my desktop. Oh, she's a writer sp- for the Washington Examiner <laughs> and the New York Post. She previously wrote for The Atlantic, spent 11 years covering national politics as a columnist for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. Her Thank book, you. The Great Revolt Inside the Populist Coalition, Reshaping American Politics, is a book that we love and highly recommend. Okay, Kat. All right. Thank you for that. It's yes. hard to, you know, hard to broadcast from the, uh, from, your from, spare the home, room. from the home studio with all the windows open, Selena. Okay, so a couple things from the the PG article. I, I think first of all, it's important to say that the that Michael Santiago, the one who the Washington Post quoted at the very beginning, is one of the team of PG uh, writers and photojournalists who won a Pulitzer Prize for their yep. coverage of the Tree of Life massacre. Um, so he certainly has a lot of cred behind, you know, his his work at the PG. That's the first thing. The second thing is going back to the article by Keith Burris. What you said is correct. He didn't say anything about what the social media policy was or is at the PG. He did say this. Um, he said, we did what we did for purely journalistic reasons. And here's the thing. Every single person involved in this matter and every single person leading the propaganda campaign against this newspaper, most of whom work for this paper, knows this, absolutely knows this full well. So he's basically asserting that people are bringing a racism charge that they know patently personally is false. Well, I mean, that's a problem. I, a problem. I, I honestly think if you want my honest assessment of this whole situation, the Post-Gazette's problem is really a labor problem. And there really is an antagonistic, I think that would be the best way to describe it, yeah. Uh, relationship between management and and the um, and the members of the guild, uh, and I don't think you know there have been cutbacks um, in, in the past few years. I think there's more buyouts being uh, extended right now, so the mm. the relationship is incredibly tumultuous. And while on the surface the story appears to be about making a bad judgment in a tweet. Or you know, and 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 the consequences for it. I think the larger story, the larger sort of untold story, is the um, labor dispute between the two entities, mm-hmm. and and it's almost like, you know, everyone's poking the bear a little bit, and and they're not really talking about what's at, what's at the center of the problem. Okay. Well, you know, in many ways, it's just good to see the newspapers are being talked about because uh, yeah. uh, a lot of newspapers <laughs> are on their on their last Sad- legs. Sadly, though, we don't want to see them talked about like this. No, it, oh, Selena, thanks an awful lot. Uh, Selena, people want to uh, check you out online, selenazito.com, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Sign up my, for my emails at selenazito.com. They're free, they're fun, and they're not fattening. Hey, I love all those things. That's, <laughs> thanks, Selena. Selena. That's Selena Zito. Thank you. <laughs> selenazito.com.
In the 2016 race for president, Donald Trump was not the first choice for many Christian voters. His personal history made it unimaginable that he would defend Christian values as president, or so we thought. In his new book, Forgotten Country, The Christian Case for Trump, Dr. Ralph Reed shows that President Trump has kept his promises and been the most effective presidential defender of religious liberty and the pro-life cause since Reagan. It's required reading in 2020. Forgotten Country, the new book by Ralph Reed, available wherever books are sold. You're about to hear a commercial for a very unique mortgage team that has a very specific advantage that could save your family monthly and lifelong money. Two things you should know. One, we were started by a dad and his son and his wife and his sister-in-law, and we've grown to be a faith-focused mortgage team that's helping families across the U.S. We're faith and family at our core, and we don't hide it. Two. We've still stayed fairly small, on purpose. We're only about a couple dozen people, a makeup that we believe lets us truly know every person that calls. But we also have a big advantage. Our company is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, a reality that often allows us to get you a better rate, which could save you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage at unitedfaithmortgage.com. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money you have to pay before closing. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Moms sure do wear a lot of hats, and these days she's wearing a few she hadn't expected, like homeschool teacher, mask maker, hand-washing enforcer, social distance shopper, toilet paper finder, parent checker inner, screen time negotiator, personal space administrator, and make sure everyone's happier, safer-er, and healthier-er. And to help you appreciate her, Trinity Jewelers is now open. Like hats, the best gifts are unexpected. At trinityjewelers.com trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. When I was a kid, oh, sorry, what's going on there? Sorry, right, I just, for those of you watching on Facebook, I just had to put my cooling cloth on my back. A, it's a washcloth. It's a wet washcloth. I mean, don't call it a wash. It's, it's a bamboo cloth. I don't want to call it a washcloth. It makes it sound like it's been in my, you know, cabinet for eight right. years. Look, this is brand new Very and it's nice. cooling me. Okay, so if I was a marketer, I would call it a cooling shawl. Exactly. Kathy Emmons is now modeling the new cooling shawl. You can order one online for the low retail price of fourteen ninety nine. It's really a baby washcloth. One eight hundred wash. <laughs> okay, that's all fake. Yeah, it's all fake. Right. Don't do sorry, Kathy. Are you feeling cool? No, I feel cooler. I'm only on one side because it's small, you know. <laughs> okay, when I was a kid, I thought no greater profession that I wanted to be part of would be a mailman. I could not, mm. I would want to be, I, yeah. I used to walk the route with my mailman. 
until somebody complained and then I could not do it anymore. So they thought you were a stalker. Right. <laughs> so here, check this out. Uh, United States Postal Service has numerous openings for rural mail carriers. The position pays eighteen fifty six an hour, paid biweekly, according to the Postal Service. Interested applicants can only apply online at usps.com and uh, click the application start. They said it's hard for them to find rural uh, mail carriers. Interesting. Because things are uh, pretty spread out, right? And I so you're spending so. a lot of time to get to some far off places. Well, you're driving around. You're driving in a, you know, your car or a van, right? Right. right. So I think it'd be, probably be driving Uber, wouldn't be, right? A little safer. Well, you know, if things don't work out for us, you know, here in radio, then Jump maybe on. we want to consider that. How about you and I in the same mail carrier truck? Oh, that'd be All horrible. the darn day. Like no, two no. hours is not enough. We should spend <laughs> more time together. Right. Out there in Green County somewhere. I think that'd be great. Yeah. No, Someone might good. be glad to have us at Postal Carriers. <laughs> we get in trouble. Just stop talking, everybody. We would get in trouble. WORDFM Pittsburgh on your smart speaker by saying play the word Pittsburgh and on your phone via the Word FM mobile app. iHeart, tune in and at radio.com. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The commander overseeing U.S. forces in Afghanistan says the Taliban have not yet met conditions required for a complete U.S. troop withdrawal. General Frank McKenzie says the U.S is ahead of schedule for initial drawdown by July to 8,600 troops. He stressed, however, that going to zero troops by May 2021, as envisioned in a U.S.-Taliban deal signed in February, is dependent on conditions. Consumer prices dropping in May for the third straight month, the Labor Department says its consumer price index fell one-tenth percent last month. Stocks ending a bumpy day mix, despite assurances from the Federal Reserve that it would keep interest rates low through 2022. The Dow fell 282 points. The Nasdaq gained 66 points. The S&P 500 down 17. This is SRN News. Why do you think some of the top investors in the world are buying gold? Recently, a handful of billionaires have been accumulating gold over other forms of investments. When the world's financial moguls like Sam Zell begin choosing metals, perhaps it's time you listen and follow suit with your own personal investments. Gold is formally recognized as a hedge against currency depreciation and inflation. Take David Einhorn as one example. Einhorn founded Greenlight Capital in 1996 and surged that fund from $900,000 to as high as $11 billion. Einhorn believes that the central bank's recent stimulus efforts will have an effect on pushing up the value of gold. He keeps 10% of his firm's value stored in gold bullion. If you're interested in knowing more about gold, platinum, and palladium, call Noble Gold for a no-pressure consultation. They have the most experienced representatives and an exclusive pipeline to metal sources. Visit them at noblegoldinvestments.com. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. It's an unwritten rule of motherhood to put family before yourself. While very noble, it can also be counterproductive. This is Dr. Corin Garchak, the female half of the husband and wife team at Tranquility Specific Chiropractic. As a mother of two, let me encourage you, mom, not to ignore those aches and pains you've been feeling. Your family needs you at your best. We're here to help you meet the challenge. Tranquility Specific Chiropractic, 412-833-1314. This is John Samick, owner of Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. 
Our specialty cleaning services can provide the peace of mind your customers and employees need when you reopen your facility. Contact us today. The man, the yellow man. This is John Samick, owner of Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. We have developed a comprehensive facility reopening guide for businesses preparing to re-enter the workplace. Visit servicemasterofgreaterpgh.com to download yours today. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Contact Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. If you are a caregiver for a family member or loved one, this is an important message. Excel Home Care will pay you to take care of your family member or loved one. Yes, you heard right. You can actually get paid to provide care for those you love. To learn more, contact Excel Home Care today and get started right now. Care and quality when you need it. XL Home Care, 412-212-8950, 412-212-8950. XL Home Care, a help at home company. Following a severe evening thunderstorm, cloudy and breezy, tonight's low 65. Breezy to start tomorrow, otherwise lower humidity with sunshine and patchy clouds, high Thursday 78. Thursday night, clear, low 55. Friday, sunny and nice with a high 80. Saturday, clouds and sun with a shower or thunderstorm with a high 74. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. Kath and I are uh, once again safely ensconced in our home studios, otherwise known as the spare room. Mm -hmm. And uh, the tragedy is that we've talked about this multiple times. Neither of us have home air conditioning. So uh, we're both sitting in front of a fan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, I'm not sitting in front of a fan. Oh, I am. No, because my fans are super loud. Mm. And so I have a ceiling fan and I have my cloth. Okay, so it, I have management all, approved coolant cloth. Very nice. Okay, so head. you're hot. I'm you also it. suffer hearing loss because your fans are loud. Right. And you've got a wet neck. Yeah, it's good. Now I feel good about it. I shared with the listening audience at the beginning of our four o'clock hour. And if you missed any of our program, you can always find our podcast because it's available wherever you can get your podcast or you can watch it on Facebook, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Anyway, um, I was talking to uh, the very kind, gentle, intelligent and uh, capable. I'm trying to think of any other adjectives I might apply to him, a general manager here at Word FM. And he was saying that he was sorry that we didn't have air conditioning. And he wanted to suggest that his wife had used this method that I currently am using, which is the damp cloth on your neck, which will produce a coolant effect. I wear it. I wear it even now. Now, earlier you called it a chamois. That, oh, yeah. Well, he called it a chamois. He said a she's chamois. got two chamois. He said she's got a, a yellow chamois and a green chamois. Really? And she she puts cool, cool water on it. And then she puts it around her neck. She goes out in gardens and never breaks a sweat. 
Really? I, I like the word chamois, but I always thought a chamois was something you waxed your car with. I think it's the same thing. Oh, so it's like a really super soft, yeah. soft piece of fabric, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So wax your car and cool off at the same time. Yeah. So I feel good about it. I, I want to announce to everyone, as I did at the four o'clock hour, that it totally works. You think? Yes. I I have had this on since I spoke to him around, I don't know what time it was, 11 o'clock this morning. I think it's a wonderful idea. I'm holding up to the camera right now. Those of you watching on Facebook, the right home of John and Kathy, my, my bamboo baby washcloth mm-hmm. right here. Okay. All right. Good. I'm applying so, it to my back. What we're saying is you don't need air conditioning. What no. you need is your bamboo baby washcloth. Exactly. Right. I'll mm-hmm. tell you one thing though. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. You know why? Why? Because it's going to be so much cooler. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We do this every summer. I mean, we've talked about this forever. I, mean, I know. Just... And it's so ironic that both of us end up doing the show together for 11 <laughs> plus years and neither one of us have air conditioning. That's... I don't even. I wonder what percentage of American public do not have air conditioning. I don't what know. Do it's got to be low. You think it's 20 percent? It has 30 percent? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm proud to be in it. Me too. I am too. Get a bumper sticker. Okay. So the reason, of course, we're talking about it and the reason we're as hot as we are is we're working from home. We've been working from home for the last, I don't know, 12 weeks. I don't even know. Since March. Like everybody else. Anyway. So how much? What is it, Mike? I just Googled uh, 12% of Americans. 12? Lack AC (laughs) in their homes. Really? Yeah. I'm saying 20 or 30%. It's 12% of Americans don't have AC. And that's you and I, Kath. I'll be honest with you. That's an elite group. That is an elite group. Well, actually, according to City Lab, fifteen to twenty percent. Fifteen to twenty. Oh, See, sorry. the numbers are all skewed. Yeah, Who I mean, trust on this? out loud. They're, and after after people hear about my my wet washcloth approach, they might just cancel their AC and try my play, my path. I, think <laughs> I don't if, think so. I do not forward. think so. Anyway, okay. So the New York Times today asks the question: What if working from home goes on forever? Oh yes. Okay. All right. So. We, we thought, you know, in mid-March, well, maybe we'll be out for, you know, a couple of weeks, right? Maybe a yep. month at the most. Here it is, June. We're looking at July. Uh, somebody was talking about, well, you know, uh, maybe people will come back in September. But if you're, you know, in HR or if you're in, in executive management or whatever, um, people are making this work. Mm-hmm. And you, you wonder about rent, and office supplies and right. all those things that require a corporation to move forward, you know, within an office tower, what that works like, you know, and how much money people spend. I'm sure, you know, millions, billions of dollars on all that. So what if they just said, well, if you can work from home. Mm-hmm. So the New York Times has this article and uh, there's a guy um, uh, who works at SoftBank Robotic America. And this guy's a salesperson. And he said, you know, as a salesperson, most of the time he was out of the office anyway. He was on the road. He was traveling by jet from city to city selling these robots. Well, now, since no one's traveling by air at all, he's doing all of his sales by Zoom. And his sales team came up with a very different model, a a video model to Hmm. show this cleaning robot. He said his sales are through the roof. And there's no way he's ever going to go back to the old model. Really? How about that? Yeah. I knew I, there are so many things about the COVID era when it comes to just work and reorganization that are never going to go back to the way they were. Right. And th- now, that's ex- just one of them. Accenture, you, know, I've always, you know, I've said college is the other one. 
Right. But okay. So Accenture, which is a company that occupies the same building that we do, Kath. Yes. I, I, nationwide, they employ some 500,000 people. That's a gigantic workforce. Mm-hmm. Now they're saying whenever they go back, there's no way that those 500,000 people are going to go back into the, into the uh, office buildings. Just no way. So they're going to be they're going to be working from home. A lot of people will, right? So more than fifty. They're saying whenever we go back, more than fifty percent of the people who used to work in offices will no longer work in offices. Wow, I don't know. I mean, I wonder what the listening audience thinks about that. I wonder how many of you who have worked from home over the last eight to twelve weeks have liked it, or how many of you or just can't wait to get back to the office. I mean, depending on what your situation is with children, with the environment in your house, with how many people in your family, um, things like air conditioning, you know, people are going to feel differently about it depending on what their own personal circumstances. Right. To be honest, personally, I don't like it at all. I I miss the studio. I mean, you know, you and I, we're together in the studio all the time. And now Mm -hmm. we're like on this little screen in front of my, I miss the camaraderie. I miss the relationships with with everybody else I work with. I know that may be unusual for some people, but we got a good group of word FM. So I'm just, you know, saying that's just what it is. I I just miss the mix. Mm -hmm. And I, I do hope we go back. Mm -hmm. My biggest concern, to be honest with you, John, is exactly what new Mike has been doing because you know, there's a lot of, you know, give and take when we're in the studio. We spend a lot of time in his studio. He spends a lot of time in our office. Since we've been separated this length of time, I mean, heaven knows what kind of negative habits he's picked up. Who? New Mike? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the deal. He always had a dry cough anyway. Yeah. Now, can you imagine what that's mm-hmm. going to be like when we go exactly. back? Exactly. It's going to be, be dry much coughing deeper. over us. He's probably a smoker now. <laughs> no. All of a sudden, you go, wait Mike, a second. Yeah, Mike, are you, Mike, are you a smoker? No. No, mm-hmm. I refuse. I refuse. Okay. Anything else that you have you picked up any negative habits that you, that you feel like John and I need to know about here live on the air as we come back? Uh, not to my knowledge, other than mm. uh, other than other than becoming I th- I think I've become an OCD person now. Oh, I have been wiping down everything every time mm. I leave here every time. Really, mm-hmm. and now I'm doing it at home. I'm finding myself really? doing it a lot. You get so much bleach on your fingertips. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. the the Clorox has wiped away your fingertips. Seriously, now you can go commit crimes and just go. Well, I, I got to be honest. As far as personality disorders, that's very minor. I don't think it we is. can really pick on New Mike for that. We should probably give him laud instead. Right. You know what I miss a lot, Mike, is huh. um, is the walk down to the um, the vending machines. Yes. I, I miss an, well, you, I miss you, an afternoon yes. Hershey bar you, with you. You my guys friend. did that a lot. It was like tradition right before the show started. We go down, right. walk down, mm-hmm. get a Coke, get a bag of Cheetos, yep. a Coke, maybe a you know a Hershey with nuts. You know, it wasn't kind of like thing. you guys went down to get a banana and some you know ice cold water. Stop it! <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, will people go back? What will that do to the real estate market? Can you imagine downtown? I mean, oh, totally different. It's going right. to look totally different everywhere. I'm, yeah. I, the number one quality that we've been talking about in our house, other than the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Nice. Did I skip any? Anyway, no, other than good. those qualities, I just think as far as personal qualities, flexibility is going to be at the top of the list. What I do you mean? The, when we go I back? The more, yes. I think in everything. I think it's, the more flexible we are, mm-hmm. the more we're able to take in unexpected things, the better off we're going to be over the next 12 months. So add that. The fruit of the spirit is flexibility. No, I'm not no. saying that's a fruit okay. of the spirit. I'm just saying that that's a good personality trait. It is a good personality trait. Don't try trait. to mess it up. All right. 
We'll take a break and uh, come back. And uh, Kath, tell me, please, who is on the docket? Yeah, so coming up next, we're going to talk about what church looks like in this COVID-19 hygiene era. What should Mm -hmm. you be concerned about and what's it going to look like? That's next. 101.5 WORD. Here's Dr. Charles Stanley. Our security in doing anything that God has called us to do is not in our energy, not in our power, but in the supernatural power, in the might, the strength, the endowment of God upon your life to do whatever he's called you to do. Hear the series Complete in Christ, a study of Colossians, this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. In these weird and unusual times, it's hard to imagine what uh, fall will look like at colleges across the country. Well, we know that Grove City College will open as scheduled on August 24th. August 24th. Of course, things can happen between now and then, but both Kath and I have students. We have kids who go to Grove City College. We're looking forward to Grove City College reopening on August 24th. Listen, I can't wait, John. I'm really thrilled about this. They're going to use best practices, as you can imagine, testing, contact tracing, monitoring, social distance, separation, enhanced cleaning, all those things that you might expect. But it is important for Grove City College to be a a conscientious member of the community. We all know that. And part of being a conscientious community is being safe and also welcoming students back. So, hey, I can't wait. August 24th coming up. That's right. Students and families should know that Grove City College is determined to be prepared to the best of its ability to deliver the learning and living experience. Look online at gcc.edu. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. Land ho! <laughs> hey, hey, seriously, land, land ho, guys. Guys, land ho! I'm s- land ho! Land ho! Land ho! Right there! <laughs> Tides can turn quick on the water. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered with sign and glide on water towing. Get a quote today in as little as three minutes at progressive.com. I guess say this land ho thing, not very effective. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Sign and glide coverage is subject to policy terms. Moms sure do wear a lot of hats. And these days, she's wearing a few she hadn't expected, like homeschool teacher, mask maker, hand washing enforcer, social distance shopper, toilet paper finder, parent checker in her, screen time negotiator, personal space administrator, and make sure everyone's happier, safer and healthier And to help you appreciate her, Trinity Jewelers is now open. Like hats, the best gifts are unexpected. At trinityjewelers.com. Church uh, where we we would we, uh, sorry Spit it out. at the church where we worship those W's at the church where we worship we've yet to gather it's just uh, we're still online and to be honest I'm fine with it however there are many churches across the country that have started to gather and with that there's got to be some changes in in how we gather right just for the safety and well being of all who are there. 
So our next guest is a biologist. He wrote a piece called The Mask Singers and BYO Communion. Craig Story is a professor of biology at Gordon College in Wenham, Massachusetts. In addition to his teaching, Craig has worked with church leaders and seminary professors on issues related to biology and Christian faith. Craig, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good. Uh, Glad to be with you, uh, John and Kathy. Yeah, nice to have you here, Craig. So I think that I would at least say for the three of us, you know, Craig, we haven't met before, but I've read a lot of your work, and I know John and Mike here pretty well. None of us want to go back to church and be part of starting up, you know, a a virus contagion anywhere in our community, anywhere in our city. Um, We all know that. While at the same time, though, we do understand that being together as the body of Christ is something that's really important. It's not something that that can be replicated by being online. So, Craig, in your own personal life, have you gone back to church? I mean, how are you thinking through this? Well, I'm uh, in the Boston area, and uh, no, no no churches that I'm aware of have okay. yet um, come together um, in any in any numbers at all. Uh, we have mm-hmm. online church. We uh, tune in with our computer, and, and uh, you know, it, it, does, uh, it does provide some uh, community, but it really isn't the same, like you said. Right. Yeah. Okay, so the call early on, I think, for churches, especially now as the weather's changed, Craig, and you talk about this in your article in CT, is that churches would meet outside. You know, it's sort of like all of a sudden where, you know, we're going to be Catherine Kuhlman or Billy Sunday. We're going to meet in large tents, and that would give us some social distancing some time. And, of course, the fresh air floating through the tent would provide a measure of safety. Is that even plausible? Uh, it, it might be a, a possibility, but I mean, it's very weather dependent, and it depends on the, the church, the size of the church. Um, it may not be uh, a real solution, you know, a full solution, but a partial solution. That was uh, I was quoting some of uh, the pastors in my network that I, that had suggested that they were planning to do that, and uh, that that was a theme in earlier pandemics in 1918, being outdoors definitely uh, dilutes the uh, droplets that are being emitted, as we now know, uh, just through conversing and especially through singing. Uh, so it, it could help, but um, I don't think it's a, a full solution. Okay. So the pipe um, organ doesn't work I guess the well question after. is, Dr. Craig, is there a full solution? Uh, I think I think one of the things we have to learn maybe is um, a bit of a bit of patience because it will pass. Um, all pandemics do eventually pass. Um, this one we have new tools, uh, new medical tools, new technologies that we haven't had in the past, which give us hope. But um, you, you just what you said is exactly right. We don't want to end up with three people in our congregation dying from this. You know, we, we want them to stick around. And um, it, is, it is very dangerous for mostly for people that are elderly and people with other compromising health conditions, which is a lot of people. So we have to keep them in mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah, and, really I, tough. And, and Craig, I think about, you know, kind of a shock back to the reality of this. An article in Forbes.com today, since Arizona lifted its stay-home order on May 15th, coronavirus cases have increased 115%, reaching record highs and leading officials to call on hospitals to fully activate their emergency plans as ICU uh, units yeah, reach capacity. Yeah. So this is not something that's past us, even though it seems like at least here in Pittsburgh, we've dodged a bullet. Well, yeah. So um, I think uh, dodging a bullet isn't the right analogy because it's it's more like um, 
uh, dodging a stream of something that's that's there and it hasn't mm. disappeared. Uh, so so um, the the article ends with the uh, irony of you know when we're successful at preventing something from happening nothing happens and then everybody looks around and says hmm did, did you really need to do that what was that real and, and and starts questioning so my advice is for everyone to listen to the epidemiologists listen to the scientists and um you know as we go on we get better at measuring and knowing what really is out there and certainly there are places that have a lot less prevalence of the virus than others but um Anywhere where you have uh, lots of people together, congregated in cities and taking public transport, uh, transportation, that's the kind of place where you have things like New York City um, happening. Right. We want to avoid Craig that. Story is with us. Craig wrote a piece in Christianity Today called The Mask Singers and BYO Communion. So, Craig, I mean, with what's happened this past week with these massive demonstrations across the, across the country, I mean, heck, you know, a week or two weeks ago, everyone was still inside their house for the most part. All of a sudden, hundreds of thousands of people, if not more, are shoulder to shoulder, and it's like this never even existed. So we're, we're not even done with first wave. Forget about second wave. Do you think that, you know, with everybody out in social, you know, gatherings and protesting over the past week or so, is that going to change the nature of this? Yeah, I think we'll see an effect. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I've noticed, though, is most people in those demonstrations uh, have had mas- have masks on. And I think that's an important uh, conceptual framework to have in mind, and that is if you are pre-symptomatic, if, you, if you've been infected but you don't know it yet, you're, you're possibly a, a super spreader. You might be spewing out a lot of virus. Every droplet has a lot of virus. It bothers me when I see people at the microphone take their mask off. I'm like, you, of all people, should keep your mask on. Um, in fact, yeah, this, this has happened in churches uh, where pastors were, were sick and spread it and so on. Um, I was in the store the other day, and a gentleman got a phone call, pulls his mask off, and starts talking loudly on the phone. I'm like, no, people aren't understanding the purpose of the mask. It's to catch those droplets that you are emitting. But I have noticed that those protests have a lot of mask wearers, and so maybe the impact will be um, mitigated by that. And the fact that they're there tells you that they're willing to risk their lives for this uh, very important um, issue of justice, Um, and I think that is is telling as well. So there are some things that are worth risking your life for, and um, certainly um, that that is one, that people are are feel have been oppressed <laughs> and and this is a moment in our country that is very important so i don't i don't think it's wrong for them to be out there i think they're 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 taking precautions Okay. Dr. Craig Story is with us. She's professor of biology at Gordon College in Wenham, Massachusetts. Um, Craig, let me ask you uh, back to the church question about singing. Um, yeah, I've heard horror stories. We all know the the, um, the yeah. tale of the church choir from outside of Seattle. Uh, there were maybe you know sixty people who gathered. The vast majority of them came down with the coronavirus. There were two deaths. Um, so I've heard that that singing is actually more dangerous than coughing. Uh, this completely changes how we look and interact with the church service. What, what's your read on that? Yeah, we've got to avoid that until until this time is safe. Until we know that the that someone in that choir is is uh, if we until we know really positively that no one in that choir is carrying the this virus. It's not safe to, to have a choir. Um, so, what, what about congregational it, singing? It's the same thing, yeah, right? Yeah, no, it's the same thing. Same thing. Um, so, so I think people just have to, you know, there's, there's, you can have music. I mean, you could, you could have humming. You could have um, 
different forms. Uh, be creative, people. You know, um, I think uh, I think it's time to be creative. And how much more will we enjoy singing when we can do it again? Uh, right. in all the Quaker, all the Quakers are going. What's the problem, you guys? Right, exactly. Right? Just get yeah. together and not say anything. Right? What the heck? Just, just yeah. be quiet, yeah. would you please? Be yeah. creative. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, Craig. Craig you know, sorry, John. Go ahead. So you know, you talk about this in your piece. I mean. If you're a believer and you're going to worship on a Sunday morning, we are by nature just touchy-feely people. I mean, you know, that's just how we are. We're hugging, we're shaking hands, the passing of the peace. Of course, there's communion. Talk about communion. I mean, I know you're saying being patient, but what does that even look like? I mean, it, yeah. it, it, might, be, it might be another six months. Would it be a year until we would gather again? Is that even within the realm of possibility? Uh, you know, I think we can gather in smaller groups I think that would be uh, a solution. Um, you know, that, that will minimi- minimize major spreads. Um, uh, communion uh, can be done in different ways. Uh, I mentioned an, uh, a pastor that actually had a pantomime communion in his, uh, in his congregation because he thought everyone bringing their own individual, um, their own individual uh, elements was too individualistic. He wanted to be more of a communal experience. And, I thought that was interesting. Um, so, you know, wait, so the, wait, 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 wait. What, what's, a pan- what, what's a pantomime thing? What, what would that yeah, be? yeah. So um, basically pretending uh, to have the elements and going through the literally the motions of and remembrance of the, the uh, ceremony. Now, this only works if your theology is um, right. such that this is a remembrance, this is a commemoration, right. and not a, not a, maybe a Catholic. That wouldn't work for a Catholic, perhaps, uh, believer. So... So, yeah, it's a tough one, but, I mean, that, again, can be done uh, relatively safely as long as the servers have washed their hands. And so, um, yeah, if everyone has washed their hands and hasn't touched their face, these, these, are, the, these are the principles. It minimizes the, uh, the spread, the chance of spread. Mm, all right. Um, Craig, thanks for being with us today. Before you leave, um, talk about a little bit about your work, integrating science, faith, your work with BioLogos. Yeah, I'm involved in several different organizations that are um, science and faith related. Um, with BioLogos, I was able to um, invite pastors to a week-long science course at Gordon. That was really fun. I had three summers of doing that. And I still stay in touch with those pastors. In fact, some of them I interviewed for, for, the, uh, for the piece. I also am an, uh, a fellow of the ASA, which is the American Scientific Affiliation. It's a longstanding um, faith and science uh, organization. Uh, that's uh, putting out puts out articles where people wrestle with issues related to science and the Christian faith, natural science. And I'm also I've also worked with uh, the AAAS uh, project for it's called Science for Seminaries, where seminaries mm-hmm. apply for a grant and then um, go on retreats and learn and, and develop curricula for introducing science into the seminary curriculum. Because as you know, many pastors, uh, even though they're an authority figure, they, they may not have a lot of science background. So I really enjoy the opportunities to uh, help, you know, share what I know with uh, with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ uh, that are working in the in the in the ministry. Very nice. That's well, Craig, thanks enough a lot. A very interesting conversation and uh, your piece as well. We appreciate your time here with us to talk to us and our audience. Thank you, John and Kathy. It's it's been a pleasure. Craig Story, uh, his piece in Christianity Today as a biologist, The Masked Singers and BYO Communion. We'll take a break, come back. Uh, We're going to talk about that awkward heirloom that no one wants. 
What would that be? Stick around for that conversation. And also in a bit, we're going to talk about defunding the police. Is that even a thing? People are talking about it. can turn quick on the water. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered with basic plans starting at $100 a year. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for a basic liability policy not available in all states. Prices vary based on how you buy. Things are finally starting to move again. Can you feel it? Things are starting to move. Hey, it's John Hall. And right at the beginning of this, in March, my best friend Dan sprung a big leak on his roof. And so for the past forever months, he's had a blue tarp covering up his roof. Hey, Dan, you got a blue tarp on your roof. But now, thanks to United Faith Mortgage, Dan refinanced. And he's finally got a roofing crew working because things are moving again. United Faith Mortgage, online at unitedfaithmortgage.com. I mean, I'm not saying you've got a blue tarp on your roof, but like everybody else, you've been sitting in lockdown and you can't help but think about your house and your money. Are you ready to refinance? Look online at unitedfaithmortgage.com. A small team with family and faith in the middle and something really big behind them. A direct lender advantage, often giving you a better rate and saving you money. Start online, unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. I get this warm feeling every single time we have special needs patients in our office. Their needs are not that different from anybody else. Spending the time with that patient is very rewarding to me. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. You've all helped build my pillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. You're going to see some amazing offers. Right now, MyPillow is offering an exclusive radio special. Today, we're offering buy one, get one free on a variety of amazing products, including the Supima MyPillows, MyPillow towels, Roll and Go Anywhere pillows, duvet covers, Giza pillowcase, bolster pillows, and neck pillows. Plus, if you buy Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds? From Crack Addict to CEO, you'll get free shipping and a $25 gift card. Just go to MyPillow.com, enter promo code WORD, or call 800-391-0954. Be sure to use promo code word. MyPillow is answering the call for more face masks as the country continues to deal with a global coronavirus pandemic. They'll be making face masks for hospitals across the country. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com. iHeart, tune in and on radio.com. In the car or at home too at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. Following a severe evening thunderstorm, cloudy and breezy, tonight's low 65. Breezy to start tomorrow, otherwise lower humidity with sunshine and patchy clouds, high Thursday 78. Thursday night, clear, low 55. Friday, sunny and nice with a high 80. Saturday, clouds and sun with a shower or thunderstorm with a high 74. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Um, I remember back in the 80s, whenever this sort of thing first started to take hold, where there was this this backlash against the wearing of furs. 
Mm-hmm. You remember this, Kath? Yes. Um, I knew uh, someone I worked with, a young woman I worked with, worked in the garment district, and uh, her boyfriend, you know, was considerable in his his uh, love and excess towards her. He bought uh-huh. her a fur, but then someone, she, she was in an acting class of mine. Someone came in. Uh, she came in one day. Someone threw blood on her fur coat. Uh huh. In New York City. Yeah. You know, some protester. And she, sure. of course, was mortified. The The fur was ruined. And so I, I think about that from time to time because you don't see people wearing fur coats like you once did. No. I mean, is, it's a rare thing. Exactly. It was a, it was a, a uh, public campaign that started. Like kind anti-fur of like, activism. Right. Kind of like uh, seatbelts in cars. Right. Kind of like smoking. Uh, a public campaign that worked. Yeah. So I, I saw an article in uh, yesterday's Wall Street Journal, the awkward heirloom, no one wants grandma's fur coat. Right. <laughs> so the gist of the story is basically is if you were so inclined to have a fur coat, don't buy a new fur coat because there's all these fur coats that are left over from mm. grandma from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Go right. ahead and do this, right? Right, right. So they they have them all around. If you're on Craigslist, I bet you could Google or you could put in the search bar for a coat and come up with, you know, 30 hits. Right. So, you know, so the story is essentially grandma calls you over to her house. You show up expecting, you know, some announcement or something. And she, in her great kindness, says, this was something that I loved tremendously when I was a younger woman. And now that I'm in my 80s or so, I want to pass this on to you. I love you. And mm-hmm. I want to see you in this coat that, you know, was something special to me. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying the young recipients are going, Graham, Nana, Mm-mm. I love you, but uh, I don't want this. And of course it right. breaks Nana's heart. Right. I know that would be really hard. You got a fur coat? I would never wear a fur coat unless I was a native American, an Inuit or from some native people group who uses it for actual warmth and clothing. Right. But in our, in our contemporary society, it's, no, it's no, animal it abuse. Yeah. It's the last thing I need. Can buy a coat of goodwill. I don't need to, you know, put an animal to death so I can have one. Okay. Well, there's one vote against fur here on the ride home. All Sorry, right. did that sound all of a sudden I sounded so militant. Jeez, like boy, like relax it, cat. Jeez, I was no, I, I was, I'm sorry. It's just how I feel. I was looking for a cheap laugh talking about wearing a raccoon <laughs> coat, you know. And going, here I am wearing a bamboo washcloth. I yeah, mean for exactly. crying out loud. It's not I like mean, the, I'm it's not like I'm setting the fashion world ablaze today. Jeez, the finger of judgment came down pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take a Would break. Would you wear a fur coat? Would I wear a fur coat? I mean, no. Imagine me in a fur coat. Right. Come on. It's ridiculous. No, I'm not going to wear a fur coat. But I'm, okay. I'm, if people want to wear a fur coat, fine. Go ahead and wear a fur coat, especially if it's a used fur coat, right? The animal yeah. died 50 years ago. Right. Who am I going to yeah. say no to that? Right? Yeah. It still would. It would still make me uncomfortable. It would. It would. Okay, but- Mike. Mike, would you wear a fur coat? <laughs> you look good in a big old raccoon coat, like you know, with a straw hat on. To you- Kathy's point, if if I was uh, if I was a Native American, which apparently I'm like point zero two. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. You and Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. yeah. God bless you, Mike. <laughs> but good no, I wouldn't wear one. I wouldn't wear. Right. I would wear okay. a raccoon hat though, like a, was a, a raccoon. Was, oh, I see. Like Paul Bunyan Daniel Boone. It's yeah, a small Daniel Boone. I believe that's Daniel Boone. Yeah. It's the same thing. You're still wearing a dead animal, right? It's a small animal, so I guess it's okay. Right. right? He doesn't care about raccoons. Fine. He's so heartless, Mike. (laughs) What the heck? Okay, let's take a break. Come back. Jay Warner Wallace, who uh, for decades was a cold case homicide detective in Orange County, California. He's going to join us to talk about... 
this notion, which is getting a lot of a, tra- a lot of traction, defunding the police. 101.5 WORD. Moms and dads don't have to be some kind of super Christian to point their kids in the right spiritual direction. Glenn Stanton says they just need to do a few basic things right. We read the scriptures at home. We talk about the scriptures. There's Bibles around the house that are actually used. We pray about things. How we pass on our faith to the next generation. Next time on Family Life Today. Tomorrow morning at 9 on 101.5 Word FM WORD. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our healthcare. No doubt, this is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly healthcare costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with healthcare costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 27 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 844-57-BIBLE. That's 844-57-BIBLE. 844-57-BIBLE. Got milk? We sure do. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse. And boy, do we have milk. That 130-cow herd of ours just keeps on producing. They don't give one hoot about a world health pandemic going on. Come on out to the Springhouse in Washington County, Pennsylvania, for farm-fresh milk that we pasteurize, homogenize, and bottle right here at the Springhouse when my brother Sam brings it over the hill from the milking barn. We share a lot about our homemade meals and baked goods, but cows are the heart and soul of our dairy farm and country store. To say thank Thank you for your unwavering support during these uncertain times and to lend a helping hand to our customers. We are offering all three kinds of white milk at a huge discount, $2.95 a gallon, as long as we can keep up. Our family is so blessed by so many folks stopping by and thanking us for being open, and we are blessed to be open. Let us share a little bit of our farm with you, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. Finding the right type of care for your loved one can be a highly emotional decision. Moving your loved one to a nursing home, rehab center, or independent care may not be necessary. XL Home Care can provide a warm, family-like environment with an XL caregiver, or you may even qualify to get paid to take care of the ones you love. To learn more, call 412-212-8950, 412-212-8950, XL Home Care, a help-at-home company. As the country continues its conversation after the death of George Floyd, there's been an awful lot of conversation, which really has caught me by surprise, about the notion, the idea of defunding the police. And apparently right here in the city of Pittsburgh, there's conversations about that. Of course, in Houston, there's talk about that as well. And uh, it looks as though this may have some legs. And I can't even imagine what that would look like in our society. So we contacted a good friend of ours who's been with us many years, Jay Warner Wallace, who for decades was a cold case homicide detective in Orange County, California. He is a Dateline featured detective, senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview, adjunct professor of apologetics at Biola 
author of Cold Case Christianity, God's Crime Scene, Jay Warner Wallace. Jim, welcome back to the show. Glad to be with you guys again. It's always these difficult times you ask me to come on. What's the deal with that? <laughs> we know that's that you can just, handle it, Jim. That's just because we like you so much, Jim. We can't help it. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, this is, this is All right, Jim. Like, so sure. um, I guess let's start with general reactions. Um, ever okay. since the death of George Floyd, we've been opening up the phones on a daily basis, talking to listeners. We've had some terrific mm-hmm. guests on asking everybody what their experience with racism has been. Can you tell us yours? Well, I mean, I think that, that well, it's, it's really a tough situation to be in, to be able to talk about this in terms of defunding the police. Okay, I, I worked in, the, in my agency as a second-generation uh, police officer. My son is the third. And, um, you know, I, 25 years that I served in that capacity, I never once got a personnel complaint in that entire time. So all of us kind of respond in terms of what is our practical observational experience. Like, you know, for me... Where I worked and how I worked, I, I just don't see it as, as far as, 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 as the kind of interaction. But this does not mean that it's, it's not happening. We have to be careful not to extrapolate our experiences to everybody else, whether they're positive or negative. I know that for a fact that there are police officers who are racist because in every group, you're going to find somebody who, is, who holds this position. And, and so to say that there are no racist police officers is a lie. Uh, but the question is, is law enforcement in general, are police officers racist, as if to apply that to the broader group? Yeah. And that's where I, I have a hard time. I, that was not my experience in work, working where I was working. But do, do, I, do I see bad apples in every group? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I was asked by my chief in the last two years I was there to run and de- develop our ethics program for our police officers. Because we do have uh, situations in which people do terrible things they should not do. This is true of every group, right? And when that happens, we have to be able to say, okay, what's the problem? What are we doing wrong here? How is this happening in our agency that we even need to discuss this, this simple uh, issue, whether it was racism or some other misbehavior? Uh, you know, you, you ha- it happens in every agency. But, of course, I didn't have any uh, Christians, really, for the most part, in my agency to, to work with. And I will tell you, if you're teaching ethics to a group that does not believe there is an overarching, transcendent, uh, object of our faith that is kind of watching what we do and actually it watches us in private, then what you fall into is some form of utilitarianism, right? Like, hey, don't do that kind of thing, because if someone catches you doing that, you're going to lose your job. So it has a very utilitarian purpose. Don't do things that will get you in trouble. The problem is the human heart is so depraved that we think we can get away without being detected, right? Mm. So what you're saying is, yeah. if I get caught, I'm going to be punished. Well, don't worry, I'm not going to get caught. That's the problem. That, that, of course, under a Christian worldview, well, no, you're always going to be caught because there's a God who knows what you do in private, what you think in private, what your heart is toward other people in private. And, and of course, that's, that changes everything. Right. So then, Jim, address that question. Is it viable to defund the police? Well, okay, so when someone says that, John, they don't always mean it the way we hear it. Sometimes when people say we want to defund the police, what they mean is whatever agency or whatever uh, um, uh, structure we have in place right now in our city, that has to stop. But it's not working. It's not, it's not responsive. So we want to stop paying for that. But they don't mean they're going to stop paying for any kind of law enforcement. They just mean they'll shift to either to a new form or in some places I've seen that you know the, the county or the state or the region has to pick up the law enforcement responsibility. But there will be some now, I'll tell you something very controversial. I'm going to make this statement now, and I know I've taken a risk in, in making it, but I want to just share it with you, okay? When I was teaching ethics in our agency, 
uh, trying to impress upon young officers why this job is so critical and why you cannot behave in the way that you, you're seeing right now uh, uh, on television with the with the um, killing of 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 George Floyd is we, I would say, look, you remember that, that law enforcement, here's the controversial statement is the one necessary profession. Every other profession is contingent, necessary versus contingent. In other words, you can't have a doctor doing his work. If he's afraid someone's going to break into his office and steal the money he's got from the last patient or harm him because he was misdiagnosed, you have to have that other thing in place first as the substructure of every other contingent profession. And that thing you have to have first, unfortunately, is order, the enforcement of order, protection of the innocent, right? Now, of course, you, it has to be um, uh, virtuous. And this is why it's so important that it's virtuous, because it is the one necessary profession upon every old town in the United States when they first formed, the first thing you do is you hire a sheriff. You can have a volunteer fire department. You can even have somebody who hangs a shingle as a but you've got to have a sheriff because those other folks cannot exist unless there's a sheriff. And by the way, if you doubt this, go in your local county, wherever you live, and Google it and see what date that county was formed in American history. Then ask the same question of what date was the local county sheriff established. You will find they're the exact same date. Because the first thing you put in place, the one necessary profession, is law enforcement. Now, that's why it's so critical that law enforcement be uh, to have, hold the utmost virtue because it is necessary and you're going to have to have it in place. And if you have a bad agency in place or a bad system in place, you've got a tyranny. And a lot of folks are reacting to that. They, they have an experience locally and wherever they are that affirms for them that something is wrong and they want it fixed. And then the question becomes, well, okay, is it, is it systemically uh, so broken that it cannot be fixed? And I will tell you guys, I think there is a systemic problem with racism, but it's not at the level of government or of even uh, these institutions like law enforcement. It, it yes. resides in the human heart. Mm -hmm. And because those institutions are filled with humans who have hearts, the what I call otherism, it's not even a racism, it's otherism. It's that we are drawn toward people who are like ourselves and we reject people who are different than us. And I suggest that race is the easy one because you can see that across the street when someone's approaching you. But if all of us were the exact same race, the same color, the same gender, the same uh, age, the same height, we would find some other reason to divide because the nature of who we are as fallen humans is to reject things that don't look the same. Right. Okay. So Jim, then, then talk about the idea of ethics and policing, because a, a couple of things, I can't imagine what it's like to be a police officer day to day on the front lines in city streets. And then I think uh, I would imagine along with the police officer doing that day after day, year after year, probably in some instances yourself as well, decades, you've got to pick up post-traumatic stress disorder or alcoholism or drug abuse or just being en enraged with every encounter you go through. That's got to change the nature of a person. So can you put ethics, compassion, all that into a person's life to counteract PTSD, alcoholism, depression, all that? I, I, I think all you, the best thing you can do is you can try to put systems in place that seek justice, that, 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 that elevate justice. As a, as a, as a, it's kind of like this. You, you all have a, a Facebook page. If anyone's ever started a Facebook page because they've got an interest in gardening, whatever it may be, 
you, you start a Facebook page. Well, the same three things that make your, your Facebook page successful are what make uh, agencies, uh, the police agencies successful. Number one, who gets to join my page? Because if I've got somebody, if I start a gardening page, and I've got somebody who hates gardening, that's probably not going to go well. You probably shouldn't join. I'm going to have certain criteria for joining. Number two, when you get there, a lot of these pages will have like a rules. They'll say, here are the rules. Here's how you interact. Don't say this kind of thing. Don't say that kind of thing. Don't be, don't, don't be um, uh, you know, uh, angry at people. So you have basically you have training, some guidelines for behavior. And then the last thing you have on your Facebook page is you have a moderator, probably you, who decides when someone steps out of line and does something about it. Well, uh, police forces are the same way. It's, it's going to come down to what is our policy related to hiring? How do we make sure that we're not hiring people who already have these issues in their lives, right. that they're trying to cloak from us because they want to get hired? So they're going way out of their way to hide their real true nature. What kinds of things could we even ask that might reveal what they're trying to hide? And then two, do we have good training that helps to give the tools you need so you can interact well one on the page or on the Facebook page or in, in the community? And finally, do we have a way of moderating and keeping track of behavior? And then what do we do when we find behaviors out of line? Those three things are what probably need to be reformed always amongst every organization because after a period of time, you have to renew your commitment to those three things. And that's what we're seeing right now. But I will tell you, to say that there's a systematic problem, you don't really understand how law enforcement works in the United States. There is no overarching criteria. In our, uh, our city, Los Angeles, in the basin of Los Angeles, there's probably three dozen law enforcement municipalities, all of which have their own approach, all of which have you know, some overarching uh, similarities, but they have their own texture, their own ethos, their own officers. It, it would be... It, It'd be hard to say there's a system in place that transcends every municipality in the, the United okay. States. Well, the system okay. that's in place that is corrupt is the human heart, because every single municipality has, is filled with those dirty little things called humans. That's why I go back to the same point over and over again. It's the gospel that changes this problem, not the government. Because I can make you. And hold on, Jim. Good. Jim, I got to stop you because we're up against a break. Can you stay with yeah. us? Sure, of course. Terrific. We're going to take a commercial break. We'll come back. Jay Werner Wallace, Dateline featured cold case detective, senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. We'll be back. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. Today's forecast calls for clear skies, slight winds coming out of the northeast, and customized car insurance from Liberty Mutual, so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. 
and all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsarouspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, windowsrspittsburgh.com. That's windowsrspittsburgh.com. I get this warm feeling every single time we have special needs patients in our office. Their needs are not that different from anybody else. Spending the time with that patient is very rewarding to me. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at stockfamilydentistry.com. Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. Jay Warner Wallace is our guest, Dateline featured cold case detective, senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview and author of Cold Case Christianity, God's Crime Scene and Forensic Faith, plus a great friend of the show. Uh, all right. So we only have a couple minutes left, Jim. I want to ask you, in any profession, there are good people and there are bad people. And I don't, I don't mean that in a theological sense because we're all bad people, according to a holy God. But I mean, as far as doing, a, doing your job well, some people screw mm-hmm. up, whether you're in broadcasting, you're working on a line in a factory you're a cop um but with cops bad cops have a greater influence and so i guess what i say to you is what do we do with bad cops how how do you weed them out okay a couple things it all comes down to that moderation right on your facebook page right like how do you monitor who's saying what well number one you gotta be paying attention mm-hmm. and that okay. means you need more eyes than your lieutenant who's sitting back in the office and is not in the street and is not in contact. You've got a field sergeant who's probably rolling around out there who sees what officers do. But you need officers who are willing to, t- to carry this banner, who see their job as so noble that they get the most angry. No one should be more upset about a dirty cop, a bad cop, than a good cop. Because all it does is destroy our perception. This is no longer a noble thing if some guy steps out of line and gives us all a bad name. So I, I always say that no one uh, hates a dirty cop more than a, than a good cop. But the question is, how do we I mean more eyeballs on, on each other? Uh, look, under a Christian worldview, we have an all-knowing God who's able to see and hear our thoughts and see our actions. I, for example, have always been in favor, not everyone is, but I'm in favor of body cameras because I think this gives you another set of eyes. And we do have yeah. this data that tells us that this behavior is, reduces when there are body cameras on for two reasons. One, uh, people who want to falsely accuse us know we're recording them, and people who know they're being recorded are less likely to do stupid things. Right. So I think as we perfect that technology, that turning on and turning off, when does it turn on, when does it turn off, how do we store these large files? These are the problems that all agencies face, and it's almost prohibitive. The, the technology is not quite there yet, but it's getting close. And I think as it gets closer, we'll have less and less a reason to, 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 to ignore, because we won't be able to ignore. We'll have more eyes monitoring that Facebook page, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Good. Jim, we've literally got like 60 seconds left. Before you leave us, mm-hmm. uh, give a shout-out to yourself and your ministry where people can find you. 
Well, I'm at uh, coldcasechristianity.com, and our YouTube page we have featured over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I wrote this message a number of years ago after the Dallas shootings. It's a phase, just uh, racism in America. It's on our YouTube uh, page. If you'll go there, you'll see uh, I've got a seven-part series on how to address racism in America. I hope it will help people as they think through the issues. Very nice. Wow. Jim, right. always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time We with love us. you, Jim. We do. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Jay Warner Wallace, a cold case homicide detective from Orange County, California. That's our show for today. We certainly appreciate uh, your time with us here as uh, we, like you are, are trying to figure out uh, what is happening in this world. And we are so grateful that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior in the midst of all this, because where would we be without that? Right. Listen, uh, online, you can check us out and uh, Facebook page as well. And uh, Kath, you want to say goodbye? No, I just want to say have a good night, Pittsburgh. Stay cool. Yes. I'm applying my cool washcloth to my neck. Even it looks now. great. Good job. Stay cool, everybody. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.